This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 402, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 402. It's a start of a whole new era. My name's 
is Paul Montgomery, and joining me is Mr. Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And this week's special guest host, Mr. Ryan Haupt. Hello. Josh is traveling. He did not give up. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Everybody's like, everybody's you're jumping ship. You're not gonna, the podcast is gonna last. We we are very much uh, we are invested. Josh and is just on the road. Just here, horrible time. The boy with his finger in the dam. <laughs> yeah. Josh is doing his Willie Lowman right now. Yeah. Uh, we are iFanboy and we like comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. And one of us picks the best book that they read. We call that the pick of the week. And we talk about it on this year's podcast, along with other books of the week, various other topics of interest, and other goofy nonsense. Um, before we get to the show, a word of caution. This is a review show. We will be talking about the things that happen in this week's books. So if you're worried about spoilers, it's a good time to pause the show. Come back when you're ready for us. We'll be here. Uh, All right, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> this Wait, is... you, you were supposed to have read. Yeah, you had what? homework, buddy. You don't oh, count. Shoot. All right. So this is interesting. Uh, <laughs> unless you, I guess, it's it was in the URL. You, you know what it is already, but it's sort of a surprise. This week, Connor had the pick. What was it, buddy? Batman Black and White number one uh, was the pick. And as I got the response from Ryan when I sent out the information to the two guys. Ryan said, no big surprise. Yeah. But I was kind of surprised. This Batman Black and White is the return of uh, a miniseries that DC first did many years ago in which they took sort of high-end talent that maybe didn't work on regular DC books and let them do black and white Batman stories, as the title would, would tell you. And that, that spawned also an interesting statue line, which, of which I have one of my only statue purchases. Of, I bought one of those black, Batman Batman Which one do you have? Statues. I have the Frank Quietly, Dick Grayson Batman statue. Very good. I want the Sean Murphy one. You can't really well, speaking of Sean Murphy, so the, in this issue, uh, I didn't really know anything about this book. I didn't do any research on it. I didn't know who was working on it. I just knew it was Batman Black and White, so I'd be picking it up and had, had a pretty cool Mark Silvestri Batman cover. Um, who was Batman. the colorist on this issue, Connor? Jerk. <laughs> uh, well, there's probably some grayscale working here. Anyway, uh, so I opened up the issue, and much to my surprise, I saw names like uh, Chip Kidd and Neil Adams and... Joe Quinones and and Sean Murphy and Chris Somme and I went oh boy because I didn't I didn't have any idea what to look forward to I didn't have any expectations set but once I saw those names I knew I was in for a fun ride but I didn't know it was gonna be the pick until page one two uh, three I believe no four okay in the first in the first story it's basically a uh, silver age throwback done in an art style very similar to Dick Sprang. And features and all of these stories featured the old versions of the characters, the pre New Fifty Two versions, mm -hmm. and uh, it features Batman and young Dick Grayson Robin, and Batman's gone missing, and Dick can't find him anywhere. Including a, there's a great shot of him doing a handstand on a chimney, which is very reminiscent of the old Batman comics when he would always do acrobatics. Yeah, and uh, so he, Dick is sad because Batman's gone missing and he can't find him, and Superman shows up and says, "Chin up, son, we'll find him." And that's when I went, "This is probably going to be the pick." <laughs> some weird stories in here, to be honest. I mean, there's oh, some totally beautiful. Weird. There's some but really love, oddball love, shorts. That's what I love about it. That's what yeah. I love about no, it. Yeah. You totally put Batman through the oddball ringer, and it, and it works. I mean, the first story was my favorite one. It was Superman and and Robin having to rescue Batman. So he got teleported to Korea and teleported to Korea by the Joker, and they had to go find. Him. <laughs> yeah, was, all right. Um, and then I really loved the Neil Adams story, which so is probably bizarre. the weirdest story. And I, one of the reasons All I right, really, you're going to have to defend that one to me. Okay, one of the reasons yeah. I really loved it was for the art, because you know the first most of these stories are just black and white, but they're finished. You know, yeah. they're ink. This is this is basically Neil Adams's raw pencils without any ink on them, and they're just gorgeous. Except the I mean, word balloons, right? Obviously which is it's balloons. a which is a little jarring, but I don't know if there's a happy. Answer I've always to been that. a huge fan of of. of seeing the uninked art i love seeing the 
how intricate Me the work yeah. is. And it's just, it's gorgeous. It's the, zombie the amount of, Batman. The amount of detail. And the story is zombie Batman, who I also love that it's basically a throwback to, again, to Neil Adams' work in the 70s, in which there was a lot of social commentary in comics. So in this, in this, in this story, Batman is fine when he's up against like the villains and up against the Riddler or the Joker. He's regular Batman. But when he's up against social problems like uh, house foreclosures and things like that, he turns into zombie Batman because he basically can't do anything about it. Um, and it turns you didn't out think it, that was a bit heavy-handed. Oh, absolutely heavy-handed. I mean, you it's read, like a political you read cartoon. Green Arrow, Green Lantern. It's one giant heavy-handed social commentary. I mean, that's just that's. What, but like, so I felt like there was the story with Howard Mackey and Chris Omni, uh, the last story in the book, that also had like balancing the Bruce Wayne social crusader versus the Batman, you know, crime crusader. Yeah. And I felt like that just did a bit better job of handling. It was a the bit more modes. subtle. Well, they're trying. They're trying for different things, but. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, even if you compare it to you know Green Lantern, Green Arrow, I mean that's that that's not a visual metaphor. I mean, this is like right. it's like an like an Uncle Sam kind of thing. It's like you know, yeah. it's, it's weaker. He, yeah, and uh, it's it's gorgeous, and and I love that it's just pencils. Um, so that I love that it's cool. really bizarre. That's what I it, love it, about. it. Yeah, I kind of like that. It's it's just. Wacky. I like that uh, Alfred and Bruce often talk about Bruce's dreams. <laughs> I just like that. That's <laughs> a common part a of the dream journal. He does yeah. it. Use it all log just in case. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Joe Canones one, um, mm-hmm. and I'm blanking on the. It's it's a female writer, Maris Wicks. Maris Wicks. She's also an artist, and she's a very good artist. And it's uh, it's sort of a return to Batman the animated series kind of yes. vibe with uh, Holly and uh, or Har- <laughs> Harley and Holly. Ivy. <laughs> Uh, because I'm thinking Holly and the Ivy, that's one of the episodes. Um, so, because Holly is a plant. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, Harley's got her her pet hyenas, which I always loved, and uh, they, they get bloated eating weird <laughs> mutated soy burgers, and she thinks that uh, it's all Poison Ivy's fault. And, uh, you know, a lot of misunderstandings, and that's, that's, that's a fun one. Anybody uh, who eats a soy burger deserves whatever they get. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, uh, and then I was, I was thrilled to see the return of Roxy Rocket, one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, kind of a minor role in the mm-hmm. Sean okay, Murphy so this one. Was the, this was the John Arcudi, Sean Murphy one. This is my yeah. favorite. So yeah. it's interesting that we each of us had different favorites. Well, I, I didn't, you know, that that's up there for me. That's But I also loved that one. I mean, this is a great story too. Driven, it's basically a, a car guy. Literally driven. Where, where Bruce is telling the story of a, it's a car chase he's going on with Roxy Rocket. And as he fixes the Batmobile, and uh, I love the little reveal at the end. It turns out there was nothing wrong with that mobile. He just hit it with a wrench to have the excuse to take it apart. So he gets, it, yeah, so he gets to, to fiddle he with it. He damaged the fender in order, himself with the wrench in order to have the excuse to take the car apart and fiddle with it. And it was just a well, fun story. Because we don't, we don't often see Batman the Tinkerer. No, but he is. He's the guy who built all this stuff. Right. We always... well, they've, they've had stories in the past where he's like hired you know, people to help maintain all the equipment yeah, and stuff like that. But... In the 90s. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. But he is, I mean, he's the guy who designed all these things and built them. So, you know, he can do it. And it's always fun to see him sort of return to like, he's quite, clearly quite passionate about the Batmobile and what it can it do. It's a great Batmobile design. And, and, you know, Roxy Rocket is usually riding a rocket, but in this, she's in this, this hot rod. Hot rod, yeah. Um, and great, great Sean Murphy art. I mean, just really nice. He draws a good Bruce. It's, like, not, it's it, an artistic tour de force, this whole issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, matter, no matter what you think of the stories, it's between all the artists in this are great. And there's going to be more. That, uh, do you guys notice that Joe Quinones, his Batman's eyes glow? Yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah, there's like a close-up in one of the panels, I think. And, and you just see it was like it's glowing. It's like, it's like bioluminescent. 
pretty cool. Or like that scene in uh, Dark Knight with the glowing white eyes. Oh, uh, yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Um, and honestly, my, the, my least favorite story, although I still enjoyed it, was the final one, the Chris Somni art uh, Howard Mackey story. Um, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like, I loved the other stories. I loved them. Uh, but it was okay. Like, it was fine. It was a good story, but it didn't blow my socks off. But... I, I, we got, this is weird. We got two ventriloquist stories this week. And yes. that was one of them. I love the, the ventriloquists, the classic. I mean, it's, he's great in small doses, mm-hmm. um, but a really fun character. And I think there's, you know, a, a bunch of cool sh- short stories out there about that guy. And they've, you know, we, we see the new 52 uh, debut this week, but right. um, even, in recent years, they've had other versions, like female versions of the ventriloquist and Scarface, but um, it's a cool character. I, I like that story. It's a good looking story. I'm looking, I mean, I'm just flipping through the pages right now, and it's, you know, if, if there's a couple of guys that aren't drawing Batman that are meant to draw Batman very well, it's Somni and, and Sean Murphy. And it's also, it's a treat to see these guys in black and white. Um, yes. I, I love seeing Somni in, in Daredevil, but um, I think the stuff that he does with light and shadow, like, Yes. I mean, early on, sort of somebody talked to him and, and, and he mentioned that it was about um, he sees the shadows first. Well, if you've ever seen him draw at a convention, he draws, you know, he draws very sort of backwards. Right. Uh, what I mean by that is he draws the negative space instead of the positive space, which and backwards is a negative connotation. But he, he does the uh, sort of the opposite of what most he draws the value. He does the value drawing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's so amazing to watch. And I remember first seeing him or first recognizing him as a name. When he did one of those Vertigo black and white crime books with Christos Gage, I think was the writer on yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, is that the, the, the yeah, screwdriver? Was, yeah, the screwdriver thing that was weird. But that was the first time I really saw as, as an artist and went, "Oh, who's this guy?" Yeah, um, yeah, and that was the same kind of thing where it was very black and white, heavy and moody. Um, that feels, but I mean, it's, that feels like a million years ago and like last week <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but it just, I just, I love short stories and like this. I love getting to play with them. I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy the digital. Books so much. We'll talk about those later. But uh, mm. um, I love the, having different people sort of get to play with the characters. Batman's very versatile as a character who can sort of fit in any kind of genre from a Silver Age tale to a car chase scene to a weird zombie dream to a black and white noir story um, mm. to a sort of fun, fun romp with Harley Quinn. He can, you know, the characters fit in all those really well. And it, it's just from the cover on through, it's a beautifully looking, beautiful looking book. I'm really glad um, that they're doing this. Um, it was one of my. It was also one of my favorites. I don't know why I don't own the collections, but I re- I love the original ones, and uh, so I'm glad it's back. And I'm, I'm I'm hoping for some. You know, this is a great kickoff issue, and hopefully it's it's a sign of what's to come for the whole mini because they're all you know different stories. They're not continuing it on or anything like that. So we'll see what comes up next. I I, also, I really did like the surprise of not knowing. You yeah. know, it's one of the benefits, and I don't want to harp on it too much. One of the benefits of not doing the website this week was. You know, nor- normally I would know who all the creative team did from doing the comics page, and I didn't know who was coming up, and it was a nice surprise. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a little unruly this week because it was also the debut of uh, Forever Evil, and there's like a bazillion. Uh, well, we de- had let's let's get into that now. We had a, it was a weird week in that you had three major events happening. So you had Forever Evil kicking off, which is DC's real event, as opposed to Trinity War, which turned out to just be a prologue right. to to the main event, which is Forever Evil. Then you had Infinity continuing on with the second issue, which is Marvel's main event. And then you had a little sub-event, Battle of the Atom, kicking off in the X-Men books. So uh, a lot of event books this week. And uh, Forever Evil basically had uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 or 16 tie-in issues. Basically all of the DC comics this week. And uh, I really enjoyed the issue of Forever Evil. But 
I thought most of the tie-ins are pretty lackluster. I, I honestly didn't like Forever Evil number one. Um, well, you've turned on Jeff Johns. And no, I haven't. No, no. I was. I came in with you an open mind. You haven't had a good thing to say about him in years. No, no. I like the Shazam story in the back of Justice League. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading that all collected. Um, no, but I, I went in with an open mind. I'm not. I'm not a huge Finch fan. Um, and this but, was, it was just a bit bit messy looking um but the my problem with forever evil is that it's all evil over the top in your face everybody is super evil 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 and there's like no shades of gray do you think the rogues are all that super evil well they seem to be sort of stuck in the middle of the situation the rogues are special uh but I mean, that's they're kind of the gray area characters, right? I mean, but even 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 now, I mean, they're they're still they're they're less nuanced than they were before. Sure. I think that there was there was more going on with their morality uh, prior to their you know their uh, reboot. But um, no, but uh, it's I, you know, ult is it Ultraman? Mm-hmm. Ultraman moving the moon <laughs> to create you know this this eclipse and to you know block out the the sun and. Um, so that the really Justice not a League long-term is long-term solution because of the orbit. He doesn't seem like he's a long-term <laughs> thinker. No. Yeah. Well, it, it it you know it makes you wonder how long does this story take place? You know, I mean, like in in you know. Right. Well, we'll find out. I mean, the, the, if you haven't reading it or didn't read Trinity War, here's talk about it. Basically, the Trinity War ended with the uh, uh, Earth Three ca- characters, who are the uh, uh, crime syndicate characters, the evil version of the Justice League coming through a, a boom tube type the Pandora's box, which was like a boom tube and uh, coming to earth. And so something has happened to all the heroes. They fans would be all dead and the, the, they've taken over earth. So that's the first people. Well, that's why all the villains have taken over all the super, the books for the, for the months. So here's the thing. It, I read forever evil. I did not read a single one of the tie-ins and I, I just, I don't care. Like well, nothing about the story makes me care. Well, then the good news for you is you can save some money this month and skip over all the DC books. I mean, I guess so, but that was I was disappointed in that. Like, I literally, you know, went to the shop digitally and um, saw that all of the titles, the, the 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 number of titles that I still were interested in with DC had been taken over by the villains, and I just said, well, I don't need that issue. I don't care. Well, you, you don't. Do and one of the things, even if, but even if you did care, which is one of the problems I had, is uh, there, it was such a mishmash in terms of what the tie-ins were. And I think I read four or five of them. But that was why I didn't care. Like, I didn't I didn't really... I only read the Justice League book for Trinity War, meaning I didn't get any of the story of Trinity War. I got the beginning and the end. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Earth 3 shows up, and I'm just thinking to myself, I don't care. <laughs> just, like, I just couldn't muster up any sort of emotion towards wanting to be a part of this story. And I felt bad about that. And I, and honestly, when I saw all the covers with all the villains on them, the first time, you know, a few weeks ago, I thought it was a joke. Like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think that they would actually do that. And then they did. But that in I, the past, DC is really fond of doing, like, uh, takeover events where the books all change for the month. Um, and it, it's I don't it, like there were like point one issues right yeah if they followed Marvel I mean they just keep following each other to the worst places and they're all, right. they're all point one issues and you can just skip them if you don't want to be involved in the event but upon uh, I mean, the ones that, the ones that you read what I found interesting was that they had no cohesion in that one issue would be an origin story one issue would be tied into the Forever Evil story one issue would be kind of to the, to the side like it didn't really seem like there was a cohesive editorial reason for these stories yes you know some, I mean? yeah no I, I agree some of some of the stories do touch on like the forever evil like the modern day plot right. and then some and then some one that i read the dead shot one which is actually fairly, I, I, de- a fairly I like decent that one. I, I like, that's that's matt kent 
um, with the present day art by Sammy Basri and then a ton of different pencilers and inkers um, <laughs> on a, on the past story. Uh, you come for Sammy Basri though. Um, really great stuff. And, and that, that's kind of a cool origin story. And apparently that's continuing on in, and that, that's the, that, that one's taking over. That's justice league of America 7.1. Right. And then, uh, Suicide Squad will be part two of that story. <laughs> I, th- I assume that most of these will continue on in some fashion. Like Justice League was a Dark Side origin story, um, yes. which I guess will continue will continue on in that Dark Side will show up. But like, you know, I just didn't get I didn't get a sense that there was a reason for these books other than to do them. You know what I mean? And not and not in a not in a it doesn't matter, so it's not important reason. I just mean in a what is the point? Is the point to tell villain origin stories and okay then then do that or is the point to tie into the main story okay then do that but they all just sort of did their own thing i think the loose rubric for it is it's um it's a showcase for the character in some way okay. and it tells but, you more about those characters and but i but i agree with you even compared to like you know last year when it was all zero issues that was you know you know it was what happened before the first right. issue and so that made you know kind of sense and this though yeah it's it i don't entirely know the direction on it and it just sort of they like were, do what you feel like doing they were also all ran, almost all random creative teams except for uh, of the ones i read green arrow which was a count vertigo uh, origin story told by the re- regular team of jeff lemire and uh, uh sorrentino which sorrentino. looked lovely and that's it and i think that's an interesting reboot of that character um, mm-hmm. an, an interesting vision of the character. I, I didn't entirely love the script. I thought it was, it was kind of uh, by the numbers. There's, there's a lot of super story. wordy ones. In this one, there were the ones, of, the, of the ones I read, there's a lot of text heavy books. But um, of the ones, the the ones that I liked, um, uh, that Deadshot one would probably mm-hmm. be my top one. I thought the Dark Side one was uh, for Justice League twenty three point one was kind of interesting. That's Greg Pak. Uh, yep. And uh, Nathan Diaz, um, and it's in, it's the origin story of Darkseid, but also of the New Gods too. Of the of the New Gods, yeah, and that was that was kind of interesting. Um, and I don't know how much lore there is for Darkseid, but there's some, and I'm not super up on all of it. I've always just yeah. like not knowing too much about him. Uh, but it's it, it sort of goes with that uh, Thanos Rising thing. Like I don't know that I want to know, but but you know if you're if you're cool with there being an origin for dark side and and going in it before he was dark side um it was i think it was pretty well done um and it's you know dark side killing a bunch of gods and um you know sh- sort of shades of uh gore the god butcher but um it was, it was pretty good um so i'd rec- i'd recommend that one and and the dead shot if you're interested um yeah but Ultimately, if you're not like if you're like Ryan, and you don't care, then you can just skip this month of DC books. Yeah, but if you're like, like I want to try some of these, off your wallet. those would be my recommendations. I, I feel not... bad. I don't want to be the guy skipping. I just nothing they've done made me care. Let's let's and flash I... back a second to the uh, animated brand trust we were, which we were all on, and we talked about the uh, the film in which yes. the crime syndicate starred. Did you enjoy that film? I don't remember. It was entirely forgettable, which is why you don't remember. You just don't. No, well, I don't remember your opinion. I remember how I thought about the film. What did you think about the film? I enjoyed it. It was, it was one it was, of their better ones. One of the best ones. It was the James See, Woods was, one. I thought it was forgettable. I think you just don't like the characters. Wait, is the Crime Syndicate one? Are we talking about Justice League Doom? Or are we talking about Justice League Crisis on Two Earths? Two Earths. Two Earths was great. The Doom one, which was also a Crime Syndicate. Well, it wasn't. It was like a Luthor you know, society. Well, that's evil. different. We're talking about the one with their, their evil counterparts. The yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, James Wood is yes. Owlman yeah, all yeah. day, every day. I'm, I'm sold. 
that's okay. but, that's more interesting because they're also they're because those villains that that crime syndicate they feel like they're uh superpowered criminals they just mm-hmm. feel like a crime syndicate whereas this is like this is more like a uh you know a legion of doom where they're just bad 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 mustache twirling well, my problem is we're we're introducing this Ultraman person and we're learning a lot about him. He hates the sun. He snorts kryptonite like crack. Uh, I kind of liked that. It was, it was fine, but my problem is in the New 52, I still don't feel like they've established who and what Superman well, that's, is. That's, we're going to get to that in, in, in an email later on, but um, or perhaps as a voicemail. But I think there's, there's a foundational problem to the New 52, which sort of was sort of infects almost all of these books. Ever. Right, so you, you can't say, here's the counterpart to Superman, and I'm like, great, I don't know who Superman is, though. Right. No, that's that's, that's the problem. I think I think what I do at this point now is I start reading it in, in the mind of being in the old place. And not because I was one of those people that was angry when they switched over, just because it's been such a disaster in the way they've handled it that I just... You know, I go back. I've gone back in time. Well, what do you? But that's you, why I really, I really like the Adventures of Superman and Batman Black and White because it's like, yes, just they put the shorts back on, and all of a sudden it makes sense again. Well, I think, I think as a whole, the digital stuff is much better creatively. But let's move on to the next. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Should, should we wait. talk about the big moment? We can. Yes, quickly though. We got two more. Forever events evil. Just no. I wanted your thoughts on that. That's all. Uh. You know, what are you guys classifying as the big moment? The Dick big Grayson? moment. The story is that Dick Grayson's identity is revealed to the world. Oh uh, yeah. Um, if it hadn't been spoiled online, I probably would have been more shocked by it. But as a uh, as a story beat, how do you feel? About it? it it didn't it sort of came out of nowhere. Okay, I thought I mean it's okay. I want the fallout will be I guess the biggest the biggest uh, test of the moment will be what the fallout is mm-hmm. and how that actually affects the character in the world. But you know, okay, well we'll see. See, it it wasn't spoiled online for me, and I read it, and I'm just like, oh, that was. I mean, because you know, it's. There's that whole that whole thing where Dan DiDio tried to kill Dick Grayson, and I'm like, well, I guess this is the next best thing. He's gonna kill him without killing him, right? You're gonna you're gonna neuter him, essentially. All right. So the next big uh, Infinity Two came out this week, which is the big Avengers Marvel event. Jonathan Hickman this week drawn by Jerome Pena, so it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, but I I found myself way more disconnected to the story than I was last time. I was. Really? Okay. If you recall last time, uh, Paul and Mike Romo and I talked about the first issue, and um, for half of that issue, I was really disconnected, and I got into the second half. Um, I sort of I thought I figured it out, but this issue, I felt was, felt more like a overview or an outline of a story than an actual story. Okay. So wait, is Joss just avoiding talking about Infinity? Yes, I think, I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> strategy? He's going yeah. away. Uh, I, I, I continue to like this, and I sort of had to adjust my expectations about it after the first issue. Like, when I first read it, I was like, I, I don't know. I think one, one of our notes was that, like, it's uh, – you're, you're not really in the characters' heads too much because there's, there's so much going on. And, and, yeah, it does kind of feel – It's fine. It's going to be totally fine. Yeah, and I've come to terms with that, and that's sort of how I'm enjoying it is that it's, it's such a big story, and it's such a – you know, there's such a huge scope, and it is – a space opera, and we we say the same thing about Saga, but that's a very different kind of space opera, and it's, it's much a very more intimate. That's opera. that's character based. This is this is big. It's it's big ideas, big plot, and um, some of it is going over my head. Some of the the world building he's doing, uh, like with the ex nihilio stuff. Um, I wish that would go away. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not big on that stuff, and I'm not like in the Captain Universe. Like that, that's a little bit too spacey for me. But I, I, I love the alien stuff. Like, I, I just wish there was 25 percent less stories so that we could spend some time in the actual scenes we got. Well, so the you know cool, I mean? so well, let's let's talk about some things that actually happen. So the so the the big thing is the Corvus Glaive 
and there's a, there's a bunch of proper names that? I don't remember. That's that's <laughs> that's the scary looking dude who's a lieutenant for for Thanos. This is um, like when I tried to read War and Peace and couldn't remember anybody's names because they're all here's, here's they're all long and Russian. Right. Here's my thing. Like I'm not trying to sound like an ass, but uh, as with um, you know Forever Evil with Infinity Number Two, I, I just don't care. <laughs> okay. There's no emotion in this. Like like Connor said, it's just story beats and. But it's not even. But it, it's yeah. It's, it just reads like an outline. You'd have one 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 pay, panel where they're doing something, and the next panel they're off somewhere else. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened in between? Like, you know, it's. I just wish there was a little bit less, so we could spend a little bit time, more time with what was actually happening. Are you? And so I actually did like the part with the Inhumans in right. Attila, but the fact that I didn't even remember the name of the character that precipitated the event, I think, says something. Like the fact that. Paul says Corvus Glaive, and I literally didn't know who he was talking about. I wasn't being flip. It was just, I didn't Okay, are you just, let me, just, let me ask, are you just reading Infinity, like Infinity 1 and 2, or yes. are you reading Avengers? Yes. Just Infinity. I dropped all the Avengers books. Okay, well, it helps to read Avengers and New Avengers. Um, but I don't care. Yeah, okay, then the... you don't have to. I'm just saying there are people out there <laughs> listening who do care, and I'm one of them. So um, I think you get more of the character stuff in avengers and new avengers it zeroes in on specific groups um and specific conflicts whereas infinity is more of a like a, a macro um and you're you're getting a look at the you know there's it's a battle on multiple fronts and there's a there's a bunch of stuff happening out on the edge of the solar system and then there's thanos coming to earth and and uh, his various lieutenants going to like Wakanda, and you got you got to see that in in New Avengers, which was really cool. You only see it like a, a snippet of that here. So I would I would I would recommend that you do for for people who care who find this at least tantalizing, go check out Avengers and New Avengers, and it just feels like one larger story. Well, um, what's what's interesting is that they, this book takes itself so seriously that they can't do like the editorial insert, and I honestly believe. That if in the Battle of Wakanda, if there'd been the asterisks and there'd been the little editor's box that said to see more of this battle, check out New Avengers, whatever, I honestly might have. But he's got the infographic in the back. <laughs> he's got the thing. He's got all the nodes and stuff. And but by the but by the end, I'm so totally disinterested. You okay. got to get me in the middle. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so you, this is your fault. This is fault. a losing battle. You don't care. But I I, I here's find what it here's what I know. The, the... I want to care. Okay. The, the Joma Pena pages were gorgeous. Yes, they were. The last half, the last bit was just just Dustin Weaver to shield is also good, but the Joma Pena pages were just, just wonderful. Even Iron, no, I won't go that far. Not Iron Man's armor, but no. <laughs> um, that's a that's a that's a bad design. They they need to move on from really that. bad decision. But uh, it was a great looking. Movie. I want to like the story. I want to believe, Paul. I want to have the, a poster on my dorm room wall that says, "I want to believe. I want to be with you." Okay. I'm sticking with it, but. If you want to talk about an event that I'm loving, uh, Battle of the Atom. We got the first two chapters in one week. Yeah, I'm with you on Battle of the Atom. X-Men Battle of the Atom number one, and then all new X-Men 16 is part two. And this is the culmination of the last sort of year. I don't even know. How long have these books been coming out? I can't tell anymore because of the numbering. But um, It's probably like not even that long. We'll say, we'll say the last month and a half they've been coming just out. Say, yeah, three weeks. Um, <laughs> the last Bendis era of the – culminating the Bendis era of the X-Men books in right. which – uh, the problem of having the young X-Men from the 60s in the present has come to a head. And uh, Don't say the 60s, just the young X-Men. <laughs> that's where they're the from. They're class. from the 60s. All right. Uh, so 
in this in the in the first part, I loved the first. I loved both parts. I loved. Yes. And these are probably the closest to beating Batman for the week with either one of these issues. But okay. Um, which is crazy when I think about it. But um, well, this was one of those where I opened all new X Men sixteen first uh, because I'm a big fan of all new X Men. It's on the cover. Yeah, part, part two. Remember, it is on the cover. I know, but I I missed it on the cover, but I recognized immediately that I was in the middle of something, and I skipped to the very end because I was like, I know Marvel. Marvel's going to put a checklist in here right. for me. And, and I was right. There was a checklist, and then I went and read Battle of the Atom first. Okay. Here's, here, this is what I knew I was in, much like the Superman page. It was the page when, um, so in this, in this story, uh, as we all know, the uh, Beast has brought the young X-Men to the present to see what they have wrought as adults so hope and hope that they will go back and fix stuff things from and, schism or yeah right and how much of a dick cyclops is and so then uh in this issue they realized no we actually should send them back because this is a whole big paradox problem because cyclops dies well yeah because because briefly the young cyclops dies so the old one blinks out of existence just like in back to the future and then unfortunately one of the uh the new <laughs> mutants brings him back to life <laughs> so, this close so they realize, okay, this is we should probably get these guys out of here before something bad happens. So then as they're getting ready to do that, the, the time cube activates itself and the door opens. And I have to say, the page turn in which you didn't know who was coming through the cube, I was probably more excited than I had been in a long time reading a comic um, because I'm just so into this story. Yeah, And it's well, revealed and, and, to, be, to be the X-Men from the future. So now you've got three eras of X-Men, and I just went, yes, I'm in. This is awesome. I mean, this week had a lot of uh, time transport devices activating from other times (laughs) this was a heavy theme this week it's one of those things where it's like sometimes a creator will have three or four books come out in the same week not sometimes this week (laughs) and this week was the week of time travel uh happening unexpectedly because somebody's coming at you from another time yeah and i I like that it's like a whole it's like a new group of you know future x-men too it's not the usual suspects and stuff yeah you got some interesting people and i love all the character designs i love horned claw-footed beast he just keeps he just keeps uh evolving yeah he can't stop and it looks like iceman is going through the same thing yep well i you know i feel like they they hinted around the edges of iceman my prediction okay is that uh, Bobby Drake died, and this this ice monster is just a fragment. Oh, of... you're right, because they didn't. They never actually addressed that that that, that was Iceman. We're just assuming it was. He him. just he keeps saying, "Is that me? I think that's me. That's me. That's weird." But but the thing has no intelligence, so I'm going with the idea that the Bobby because he's been splitting himself into multiple ice. Yeah, they've, yeah, yes, that's a good that's a good observation, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love this. I'm all in. I love. I, I I can't believe I'm saying I that. I love the group. I, I love. But... I think there's some really cool like, like character choices. Like um, you know they they bring well they bring back this. So so a couple cool ideas. Uh, Molly Hayes from Runaways. Um, yep. We've met literally just, like six six times. Bulked up, and yeah, that was, was a great scene. And I love the the height difference between her and Wolverine. And um, and then they have a lady Zorn, and you might be rolling your eyes when you see Zorn, but then I love that they don't like drag it out. We find out in all new x-men uh 16 that it's gene yeah so we're just so we have a past gene we have a future gene we, we're just missing a, a present gene which is kind well, of like interesting Rachel Gray. yeah but that no that's isn't that her daughter yeah it's not her it's yeah a, it's, a, it's it's a daughter of an alternate a universe gene Gray. Psychic, Paul. the point is it's really fun and it's gorgeous uh stuart Immonen did the second issue which i i mean frank showed it the first issue and it's fine i like his art okay but it was really all about Stuart Eminem's second issue, which uh, he's wonderful. And I love the, the sort of mature role that Kitty... I mean, they kept saying Professor, and I kept going, where's Xavier? Is Xavier back? And then I realized they were calling Kitty that. And when you realize 
circle all the way back to when Kitty first debuted and all the clashes she had with Professor, you know, the culminating in the Professor Xavier's a jerk panel, which has become yeah. a meme. Uh, it's interesting, even more interesting than Wolverine's transformation to see Kitty sort of become the the new Xavier. Um, One thing I also really liked in, the, in uh, the issue was when the so Bendis likes to do the I'm going to show you the scene from the outside and then I'm going to show you the scene from the inside. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, which he it. does with kind of Jean's psychic powers, trying to scan everyone around her while the scene is taking place. Yep. And I really liked that young Hank McCoy is more interested in watching the scene play out than running off with Gene. Yeah. yeah. And I liked I liked that, you know, they introduced this idea that Hank has always had a crush on Gene and Gene is willing to uh, accept get, that. Get and, with that. Yeah, have some fun with it. But, but he's then, still a scientist and, and he I, wants to observe it. And, right? and I when think push she's comes all... to shove, she says, Scott, we got to go. And Scott yeah. says, sure thing, let's go. I think yeah. she's also saying, like, I... I there's my my death warrant has been signed by this you know these revelations over the past several weeks or whatever however long this has gone on and she knows that she's going to end up with scott and that she's going to die i think if if that were me i'd be like i want to try exploring different avenues to try and avoid you know ghost of christmas yet to come you see a guy with big feet nearby and you just (laughs) (laughs) so i think think there's a lot of great character stuff going on in these stories along with the great art and just a great sort of fun story that's happening so So i think the big question big question though is it so Bendis did these first two chapters? Right. This is going to be in other X Men books, but only one other one. He's doing Uncanny, also. He does Uncanny, and then there's it's also in X Men. It's just Brian Wood. Oh, and Wolverine the X Men. But and that's Wolverine and the X Men. Right. So we're gonna so, be all right. Yeah. So we you know. I think we'll, all the we'll right, all the creative teams of these books are good, and the, the good part for me is I buy all these books anyway. So yeah. I mean, the question is, who is Lady Zorn? It's Gene. Well, I mean, I was just I'm, I thought it was supposed to be Josh, so I just didn't finish oh, any of the books. Okay, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> so, Let's take a quick break to talk about uh, Amazon. You can go to uh, Amazon if you may have, you may have heard of them. They're a little startup company uh, up in the Pacific Northwest who sell a lot of things or sell everything through their website. And you can go help us out by going to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, clicking on the link and doing all your purchases that way. Or even better, taking that link, making it your bookmark so you never have to worry about it again. And maybe you forget about it and you're just doing it for years. Um, it's a great way to help the site. We, have, we still have bills. We have server costs and all kinds of things like that to keep things going. And uh, – a little bit of your purchase comes back our way. Not not doesn't come out of your wallet. It comes out of Amazon's hefty wallet, and it helps everybody out. So, fanboy.com slash Amazon is where you can go. Remember Gumby? So, Buy some Gumby merch. Oh, oh, Gumby was awesome. Yeah. See, Paul, you always give the example thing that they can go buy, and I had one ready, hoping I could cut you off, and you were, you were too quick. Is it more expensive it, than Gumby? Go. It's much more expensive. Uh, you can buy crossbows on Amazon. <laughs> buy crossbows. That doesn't seem right. You really right. you you can buy a Arrow Precision Inferno Fury crossbow kit, 175 pounds. You, uh, you know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets a gun and he uses to like turn the lights off and turn the TV. <laughs> I would I would do that with a crossbow. I would just sit there and my couch and turn make, make wookie noises. <laughs> exactly. And this has like cool camo patterning on the crossbow, so you'll be hidden. Don't email me. I know Chewie's is a bowcaster. No, no. Go ahead. All right. So let's talk about. Uh, Trillium number two, the second issue of Jeff Lemire's uh, maxi series or miniseries, whatever you want to call it, um, from Vertigo. Hey, my joke about not finishing things came back around. <laughs> um, I really loved this issue. I thought it was really charming. Yes, it was really uh, good. It was basically so we talked about the last issue, in which Josh did not finish it by accident. It is uh, it was a flip book on the first issue. Flip this... book where two characters met in the middle, and you had to flip it over to read their both their stories. And in this issue, they they meet, and but the problem is one is from Earth of the twenties. And the other is from the future. And the other is from the uh, year 3070 30, something. 38th century, yeah. 
And uh, so they don't speak the same language and they can't communicate. And it's, it was a really fun back and forth as you got into each one of their heads as they try to understand each other and uh, try to communicate using uh, sticks and drawings in the dirt. And uh, I just thought it was a great sort of meet cute and really, really charming. That's, that's a great way of putting it. It's a, And, you know, the big question last time was, well, I guess they're not going to do a flip book every month. So how are they going to keep it special? And um, this way, it's I mean, it reads like a standard comic book, but um, there is that dynamic of some of the scenes you're seeing the words in the word balloons and you can read them in English. And then the other character is just dots. And so it's, it's a great way of putting you in that character's perspective. And um, yeah, it's charming is a really good word for it. Um, and I, I love that they, you know, they, so they have that they're, they're lost in translation, but uh, they commiserate over like her being a bad artist, <laughs> not being able to do a good stick figure or something. So, um, and I love that the sort of, you know, last month, the culmination was those two uh, one upside down issue meeting the other one in the middle of the book. Here, it was them both discovering this flower and both saying trillium at the same time. Right. Um, so it's, a, it's sort of structurally similar. Yeah. Um, let's see how he plays with that throughout, this, throughout the issues. Cool but sci-fi. I really, I really do like it. Ryan, well, are you reading what, it? Yeah, I am reading it. And one thing I liked as a person who reads uh, a good amount of sci-fi or has read a good amount of sci-fi is that so often the character from the future is the person who knows everything and is totally competent and capable, and the person from the past is the dolt. Right. Uh, and this book didn't didn't rely on that. So there are things about this world where the character from 1921 is more competent and better at things than the character from 2337 or whatever year she's from. And I really like that dichotomy that she's a normal person. She's not this super genius who's trying to interact with a primitive. They're both on equal footing, just from different worlds, even though it's the same world, it's earth. It's just different times. Yeah. I like that. It's really good. I'm really enjoying this so far. Two issues in now. What's the haps and superior Spider-Man 17? We still got Doc Ock. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, so I, I pointed out when we were planning the show this week that uh, I'm still reading Superior Spider-Man. It doesn't get talked about very often. It's a it's still Doc Ock. He's still working for Horizon. Max Modal just got arrested because of a former employee who's trying to do some corporate espionage. Uh, Liz Allen makes her return with Normie, uh, Norman Osborn's grandson, son of mm. Harry Osborn. Right, right, I haven't right. seen since the 90s. Uh and it's and, and now we're also introducing uh, the Spider-Man of the future, Miguel O'Hara, right. Spider-Man 2099. So how does he uh, fit in? How does he show up? It's the whole time, everything in oh, time is messed up. Oh, time cube again. Right. Uh, so it's, it's like with the Hulk where everything in time is messed up now because of Age of Ultron. Um, the, effect, the issue starts in 2099 and the Spider-Man 2099 is sent to 2013 to fix all of the stuff that the modern age heroes have messed up. Yeah, I love so, the fact that, so I, I got to talk to Dan Slott about this a little while ago, and, and I, I love the idea that it's, they, they consider it the heroic age, right? Like it's like this epoch, the modern day stuff that we're reading all the time, that's the heroic age. And there's some kind of like cloud, there's some kind of interference between this time and the year 2099. And they don't, no, it's like some history was lost, but it's all because of like the, the present day. And uh, and Miguel O'Hara is like, oh man, they screwed up again. <laughs> like, what are they up to <laughs> back there? I got to go back. 
Go yeah, ahead. so the, the issue ends with basically Miguel O'Hara and the superior Spider-Man, Doc Ock, uh, coming into contact. And I guess the next issue is going to be the big misunderstanding fight between the two. So um, the the series, it, it feels like it's moving at a rip-roaring pace where things are just happening and cascading and, and everything is in motion. Uh, but when you actually sit back and think about it, like the story has progressed uh slowly like it actually is a slow burn towards this eventual build and i don't even know what that build is going to be uh but dan slot does manage to pack a lot into every issue and it's i don't know it's a it's a book i'm still really enjoying even if doc Ogg is spider-man now paul let's talk about your favorite book satellite sam 3 came out this week smutty smutty goodness <laughs> was this your pick paul uh, I don't know if it was my pick. My trick, you know, my my pick might be. It was probably Battle of the Atom that you know. We I I probably would have asked, can I can I do like a you know a, a, a two way tie for my pick no. of the week, and can we you know format it that way? Ron, Ron killed Ron that. We did that did one. six yeah. books. So it was one pick many years ago. Before it was we six it. books. I can't. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember. Okay. Um. Anyway, Satellite Sam. Um. We're learning more about uh, Carlisle White, uh, our main characters. Um father who who died in the first issue and you know he was the uh titular satellite sam and uh he a little bob crane in him little <laughs> little bit um what was that movie with uh Greg autofocus Kinnear? autofocus yeah it's it, it reminds me of that every time um so this is his son getting to know one of the women in in one of those hundreds of photographs and the the wrinkle that we find out is that, and he's trying he's trying to figure out who murdered his father because it's clearly foul play and the the new wrinkle by the end is that she says he only takes the girl's picture the first time that they make love and which is probably not the right way to describe no, what they're doing no, no. um the, the you know the first time they get busy doesn't uh, even like them yeah exactly so but he only takes a picture once and he sort of figures out through process of elimination that um somewhere there is film of the woman that murdered his father so he also took video took vi- movies right because that's where the delivery is at the end yeah there's ke- uh, with kinescope uh stuff. we think we don't know there's... So that was all great and fine, but my favorite sequence by far was um, so Eugene Ford is the engineer, and he's been trying really hard to sleep with this jazz singer for the last <laughs> couple issues. Finally, gets her back to the studio, and he he accidentally discovers that if you point the camera at a monitor, you get a weird sort of feedback loop, and uh, and it totally captivates him to the point where he blows it with the singer. And I thought that was a wonderful bit. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I got that like. Yeah, we no, said, understood. He, Ryan was on when we talked about uh, when I made number one the pick of the week, and me and Josh were like, you know, uh, connecting over it because of our media studies background. And Ryan's like, "What the hell is this?" Um, right. So that's good. But yeah, when, when when I was when I was in high school and I was in the the TV production homeroom, uh, when you first dis- well when you first discover that or have access to cameras to do that, you just get mesmerized by pointing a camera at a monitor and seeing all the trippy things it does. Especially in, in an era like this where they're new, so basically this is all unknown. So he's basically he's dis- he's making discoveries every day and. He's, you know, he's he's the tinkerer. He's the and as the little intro says, he's the guy who sees the future of TV better than anyone else. And I just love that he just completely diverted his attention, did not no longer cared about the jazz singer once he saw the feedback loop. And uh, I thought that was a great bit of characterization, a, little, a wonderful little scene. And then of course he tries to recoup that, goes to the jazz club, gets thrown out. But it was uh, 
you know, it's a muddy, it's a muddy issue, but there's some yeah, great stuff. Yeah, there. that's the thing. Like in the covers, like it, it makes it look like it's you know Black Kiss three or whatever. It's you know the next shaken smut rag or whatever but like there's some really fascinating storytelling going on and it's it's a little bit mad men um a little bit not but uh and, and a cool murder mystery too so yeah um, i, I love, love this book. plus mexican abortions <laughs> some that go horribly wrong um so now ryan the most important question i have for you about iron man 15 is does it feature the suit from infinity 2 um, so he, the the great thing about Iron Man 15 is that it's a it's an important part of the issue that he ditches the Space Knight suit and yes. puts back on the black and gold armor. Okay, good. Um, so for those of them following, Kieran Gillen and Greg Land are honestly killing it. Like I think this book is is um, criminally undersold in how good it is. Uh, Tony has been dealing with this uh, rogue Rigelian recorder named 451 who has come across this armor called the God Killer armor. It's like a seven, it's like a five mile tall suit of armor. That's big. That uh, Tony was genetically programmed to be able to command. And uh, so it's a lot of like retconning of the history of Tony Stark, but in a way that's really organic and fun and just kind of um it deepens tony as a character rather than making him more shallow it's a lot of this issue was tony trying to figure out how to outsmart this uh artificial intelligence in the right jelly recorder that's way smarter than him and it basically requires him using dumber technology rather than smarter technology and and having to uh fight him on that level and in, inside this suit of armor while the armor is heading at Earth, ready to uh, destroy Earth. Because his armor is so big and so powerful that if it even hits Earth, it'll blow it up. So um, the stakes are high. Uh, it's it's smart. It's intelligent. It's great, Tony Stark. I've really been enjoying it, and I, I hope other people are too, even though you guys don't talk about it. Spe- no, speaking speaking of artificial intelligence, though, I'm, I'm actually committed to whenever I see an artificial intelligence in comics, and there are a lot of them, um, I'm trying to read it in the voice of James Spader. Um, I'm trying to prepare <laughs> myself and see what it's going to be like. It's a little fun exercise, so give it a shot. So those are the books we want to talk about this week. Uh, next week we'll have some more. Uh, I don't know what the transition for that segment is anymore. <laughs> it's, I didn't know what to say. I don't, I'm sorry. Those are the books we want to talk about this week. Let's do some audience questions. How about that? That's a good segue. Uh, we got a whole bunch of to get through. Uh, Kevin sent us an email, and Kevin says, I got a comic books a few years ago near the end of the Blackest Night run for DC, and I stuck to DC over any other selections. I've been listening to you guys for a few months now, and I'm beginning to feel a genuine distaste or anything DC from your thoughts on the, on the different books. I was just wondering why exactly this is. Like I mentioned, I only pick up DC, and that's because I, it's what I'm familiar with. I feel like Marvel's too difficult to jump into. For someone like me, what would you suggest I do if I'm considering getting into Marvel? I hope you guys have gotten this far into the email after you saw the letters D and C. That's a um, misconception. <laughs> uh, I mean, me and Connor traditionally were DC guys. Like we love DC. Yeah, huge. This is this, DC is, this is a this is a this is a tough time. This it's is a disappointment. It's not a distaste. Yeah, and it's um, not and it's not like I'm I'm relishing <laughs> saying no, like negative it. things about about DC books. And and I'm, and I don't and I don't think of it as all of DC. I think there's plenty of great things going on, like the like a lot of the digital stuff, like Batman, like Wonder Woman. Um, yep. and it's just, I think you saying you came in at the end of blackest night, that's really kind of key. Um, cause that's maybe the start of where it got like this. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. If that's true. I think really it's the, 
I think there I think there was a there was a really good time right before that. Not that there not that there hasn't been great things. That was that since was then, sort of the end of the new golden age of DC. Like the that started there's a, there's a plateau. It started in the nine late nineties and it went through that for about ten years. Um that was a really good time for DC books for the most part. There's ups and downs, but for the most part it was. That was the Jeff Johns era. That's that's where you had some great Batman stuff. Um so, yeah, so it's just it's just Green tricky Lantern. by comparison. Yeah. Like the when I came in around two thousand six, so that was like Civil War time, um, for over at Marvel. Um I DC was great and I and I was really digging a lot of the stuff, and that probably contributed to me being more of a DC leaning guy. And then I, I I really I think it it does have to do with like when you come in again as an adult if you're coming back to it from childhood. Um, I don't know. I, just, I love that we get an email saying that Marvel's too confusing to get into because normally we get the opposite email. Um, but the thing is, if you just jumped in the the, the Blackest Night, what um, DC had Blackest Night, which is how many years ago? Three years ago, or so? Three or four? Then it's no, it would be no different than to start up with Marvel. It just you know you 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 were learning a new world then you just right. learn a new world now um, and you know Marvel did a soft reboot not really a reboot but a restart with all the Marvel Now stuff and it's only been about a year so you could either try to catch up on a couple of those books that sound interesting or you can just wait for the next wave of Marvel Now books which we've all been told are coming soon so you know you just jump in like you do with DC and you, you learn as you go it's not that difficult and we talk about tons of great Marvel books all the time on the show you know. Daredevil and Thor and would you X-Men. would you jump in on an event that tells you about the universe or would you just jump in on like a you know a particular well, it sounds like book? he jumped in uh, no he jumped at the end of Black Knight and I don't know if he, I don't know I wouldn't recommend any of these events to jump into no but a, but you know just some Daredevil some Hawkeye some Thor some Young um, Avengers yeah, there's all yeah of, Young Avengers is fantastic Hulk. I mean there's all kinds of great Marvel books right now and it's just and it's not. It's no more daunting to jump into those than it was daunting to jump into DC. I assume it was. I assume it was, unless you have so some I, sort of prior knowledge of the characters. I promise I'm not trying to name drop. I just want to give credit where credit's due. Um, I talked with Kieran Gillen recently, and he pointed out that his Young Avengers is intended purposefully to mimic the original Avengers lineup. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I hadn't really put together before. And so the villains that they're facing are supposed to be mirrors for Ultron. And the team itself came together because of Loki. Even though Loki's kind of on the team, it's still he was the catalyst that brought the team together. So, like, it's nine issues in. Just go pick it up. There's one trade out and then pick up the three issues after that. So um, Young Avengers has been a fantastic book. um, And it's relatively self-contained. Yeah. The, you know, the typical advice is pick a character that you find compelling, that looks interesting to you, or maybe you have some history with from maybe a movie that you like or cartoons, whatever, and try it out. And if it's going to stick, you'll you'll find the stuff that you need, you know, to, to fill in the blanks. If if not, if it's not working out, then don't worry about it. Try something different. Yeah. Well, so, so Paul, if this guy got into Black as Night, Let's let's just assume for the sake of argument that he's a Hal Jordan fan. So where does a Hal Jordan fan go for Marvel? I would say Hawkeye, but what do I know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, by, to... by by personality, but that then and then maybe I would say go like the no, setting. Trinova, Trinova, right? I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a, it's a non so subtle Green Lantern ripoff, but yes. you know. So 
you know, there's lots of great. It's just it's not daunting. I think there's a lot of fear, not just with with Kevin, but just in general, because we get a lot of these emails saying, "I want to try DC, but they're scary." It, they're, you know, no one's gonna die if you read a book and don't completely understand everything that's happening in it. Try not to think about it as like a world. Try to think about like what characters you find interesting, and and gradually you'll accrue more of them. You'll meet more of them in each book, and then you'll try their books out, and it it'll happen. Well, Nova's a great suggestion because that's a new character. Yeah. Yes. That you know, if, Nova, you, yes. If you go get issue one of Nova, I assume the trade will come out soon uh, with the first arc that uh, Jeff Johns wrote. No, Jeff, Jeff Loeb. Jeff. Yeah. My bad. Well, they're, Jeff friends. they're, they're friends in real life, so it's fine. They're both t- t- they're both uh, big wig TV dudes. What so, about what about Iron Man, Ryan? Sort of similar. Like, there's kind of a issue one would be. Issue one would be a great place to start. If you liked the movies, um, I think Kieran's got a great handle on Tony Stark as a character. Uh, and and a lot of this arc has been about let's put Tony outside his comfort zone uh, in a zone he thinks he understands because he's a sci-fi nerd like so many of us. And so let's put him in space where he thinks he can fulfill the sci-fi fantasies we all have, you know, lay in the golden bikini. Uh, but but it doesn't quite work out that way. So I, I, think, I, think, I think also if you have any kind of cultural knowledge from the last you know, five years, you, you, you know, all the Marvel characters, they're all there. They've been in all the big movies. So they're no, they're not that much different than they are in the books. They're slightly different. Hawkeye would be, would be pretty different, but you know, for the most part, Thor's Thor, whole Iron Man's Iron Man. They're definitely graduate, gra- gradually going more towards the movie characterizations anyway. So if you've seen those movies, then you're, you've already known enough about the Marvel universe to read the books. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be have fun. fun out there, man. Let's try a voicemail. Who's got a question about heroes? Hi, this is Patrick from Washington, North Carolina, and I'm Verklempt. And I got a question for you guys to discuss. Who do you think is the heroic model that the New 52 um, should aspire to? Like back in old DC, it was Superman. But the Superman that is today, not so super heroic as much. My opinion, it's the Flash. But if you think it's someone else, I'd just like to hear. Discuss amongst yourselves. Have a good day. So this sort of harkens back to what Ryan is saying earlier in the show, and that he doesn't really know who Superman is. So what um, uh, Patrick is saying is that he, you know, in the old DC, everyone looked up to Superman. Superman was the inspiration for all these characters. Although really, he went back to the Justice Society once you got into it. But really, yeah, Superman, Superman, looked Superman, up Superman to... was the Superman was the inspiration in both in real life because he was the first real super, superhero, first popular one in, in the in the story. So, but he doesn't think that Superman, the new DC universe, is the role model that he would be. And I, I I'd have to agree with him because you know they went with a younger Superman, which is f- fine. So in that sense, he wouldn't really be a role model for the older characters. But he also doesn't act in the way that would you would think people would gravitate towards him, even though they they sort of try to write the whole world does that, but it doesn't really make sense. That's what Ryan was saying earlier. Right. So who is the character in the new DCU that would inspire a universe? Who is the paragon of virtue? And it's tough because that, that's, that's one of the sort of the themes, one of the motifs of the new 52 is this sort of paranoia about superheroes. And they're going sort of towards that thing of we need to build up organizations like the Justice League of America to combat um, the Justice League should they go rogue. And so we right. have to have all these countermeasures. And so I don't know. Um, and, 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 you know, that first arc of Justice League is all of the characters are at each other's throats and they don't trust each other. Um, I don't know if anyone... I don't think there is one. ...rose out of that. No, so let's just say Aquaman. <laughs> okay. going to say Aquaman? I, mean, 
I'm fine yeah. with that, but I mean, like, okay, it's not so your work. It's not Wonder Woman. It's not Batman. Yeah. So why is it Aquaman? Oh no, I, I, I was saying Aquaman to people have been, but um, it remind you know this question kind of reminded me of um, there was an issue. It was a one shot. I don't remember if it was action or Superman or whatever, but it was a uh, Vito Del Sante's issue where uh, Superman teamed up with Alan Scott. It was mm-hmm. an action. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was an action kind of okay. it was. No, but it, it really emphasized uh, Alan Scott and the Justice Society as the old guard and Superman as the second generation, the first of that second generation, but it kind of um, d- diminished, and that sounds like a bad term, but it diminished Superman's importance in the inspiration of the heroic age of the DCU. But I really loved that issue because it showed Superman looking up to other heroes and it showed that Martha Kent was really a, a big fan of the original Green Lantern Alex Scott, but that Superman was more of a fan of Starman. And I just, I really liked that. And I liked that it was a hodgepodge and that different heroes, you know, if you consider Martha Kent a hero as well, were influenced by diff- other heroes. There was no generational singular thing. Voice. And, yeah, um, yeah. Superman 676 issue we're talking about um, i really love that issue yeah so um, i mean it's i don't think there is one i mean i don't think there is a character like that that they have right now i don't think it's flash i don't think flash is central enough um nor is he inspirational enough do you know what i mean like, super, superman is is by definition sort of inspirational what he can i do. think they're trying to do like cyborg is the heart which right. is different um but in terms of who well, everybody he, it's also weird because he doesn't have one right but you know <laughs> that's irony. the irony Oh, is that what that is that what irony means? Yes. Um, I don't think there is one. I don't think there's a heart of the DC universe right now. <laughs> Amongst many problems that, that it's got, I don't think there is a there is a character who's the heart of the. Of, I mean, not the heart, the inspiration. We just decided Cyborg was the heart. That's fine. Okay, let's move on. Damon Wayne. Damon Damian Wayne is the heart. Uh, Paul, you want to read Alex from? Sure, Alex from Woodland, California, aka Max Power. Uh, did any of you ever have any comics or graphic novels assigned during high school and or college? I know I read Mouse for English in high school and have friends who studied Sandman in college, but those two seem to be it for the most part. Uh, Board of Education standards aside, are there any comics you think would be uh, particularly apt for the classroom? I imagine several titles wouldn't make the cut due to mature content, i.e. Uh, all Garth Ennis material, no matter how educational the material may be. And we have a professor with us on the show. Oh, stop it. I'm not a professor. <laughs> um, if it's co- I'll go ahead and say if it's college, there's no such thing as it being too mature right. because everyone's 18. So let's move past the idea that comics could be too mature for adults because everyone in college is technically an adult. Uh, I never had any comics assigned to me in high school. I did sign up for a uh, composition course about comic writing. And it was not about learning to write comics. It was about learning to write critically about comics. Mm. Um, that was a class? Was, oh, yeah. It was a fantastic class. What One would you possibly classes. do with that class? I wasn't asked to lecture. Yeah. It was... Well, I actually, I actually did get to go back to this class a few years later, Paul, and give a, like, a guest lecture That's about cool. uh, my, my experience writing for things like I've been playing. Um, and how, how do you turn uh, critical comics analysis into an actual job? And, <laughs> and I you said you don't. <laughs> I said I, I, I said I enjoyed writing for a fanboy. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I never had a comic in the classroom. I don't think. Uh, just would in- you like to, Would you like to hear the list for this uh, this yes. class? Yes, go ahead. It's all from memory. I don't have a list in front of me right now. It was um, 
Scott McCloud's understanding comics. Okay. He did um, a lecture at, at my university when I was there. So that counts. Uh, Blankets. Okay. By Craig Thompson. Um, same difference of other stories by Derek Kirk Kim. In the Shadow of No Towers by uh, Arts Spiegelman. Um, what else was there? Persepolis, I believe we read Persepolis. So, uh, and I've all noticed those books are good. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting, sort of more mature themed books you could do in, in classes. Well, I've also I've also noticed. So my, my one of my best friends to this day, Jesse, wrote his uh, final paper for the course about why Watchmen should have been included in the course. I've heard um, of Watchmen being included in, in courses. Well, was... this course was specifically against. It was like about not using superhero comics. And Jesse basically said, here's why Watchmen is everything. It's deconstruction of the superhero and a necessary inclusion. Sure. Um, and it was a fantastic course and I really enjoyed it. I wrote my paper on um, the books of the 1960s becoming the Silver Age, essentially going sci-fi in the wake of the comics code. That was my final paper on that. Interesting. Note. That's cool. Well, um, I never had comp. Oh, you go ahead. No, just uh, I I went to school for screenwriting. Um, so we had a couple of classes that uh, my my various professors were all big comic fans. So uh, we had we had to read a section, or I guess all of Judd Winnick's The Adventures of Barry Wayne Boy Genius. Oh, nice. Um, I remember that that early on. Um, and I, I remember one of my professors uh, in a he was big on um slideshows. Um, what's it called? uh microsoft powerpoint. powerpoint powerpoint presentations um and he had uh hair star from preacher uh <laughs> in, in one of them uh for it, it was like him freaking out at somebody and uh <laughs> probably doing some kind of sexual damage to them uh in reference to doing something wrong in the class or like asking a dumb question um and hair star popped up on there and i didn't know who he was at the time because i hadn't read preacher and then years later i was like oh that's who that was so there you go well i never what? Well, I never had comics. I did have a class uh, senior year called Children, Youth, and Mass Culture. And that was actually the class where, where Josh and Ron met over a cookie. Um, <laughs> actually, no, that was the class after that. Never mind. Uh, but uh, we did watch an episode of Batman, the animated series, and I did write my final paper on that. Uh, so I never had a comic, but I did have a cartoon. Well, and I also have one comment uh, to kind of sum up this whole topic because I was working on a column and then the, the website got canceled. And uh, the column was basically about I've been inhabiting university campuses since 2004 continuously. So my entire life has been my job has been Just wandering around. around You're Peter Venkman. More or less. Yes. Um, also with the funding issues. Right. So, <laughs> but the thing I've noticed in going to university bookstores is that university bookstores will have a, a comic section. It's it's you know, sometimes lumped in with like the Garfield books or whatever, but the books haven't really changed since 2004. It's still yeah. Persepolis. It's still in the shadow of the towers. They'll, they'll throw in breakdowns, which is Art Spiegelman's latest book. Um, maybe a, a, a walking dead, maybe a fables, but by and large, the comics on the shelves of the university bookstores have not changed. And I was thinking about that in relation to when Josh on the episode 400 mentioned that there haven't really been good graphic novels that have come out lately that have gotten people talking. Yeah, that's a uh, classic standalone. I would say there's been good stuff that's come out that is worth talking about. I just they haven't caught on necessarily. Well, I read I read some stuff recently, Paul. I tried to 
rectify that for the purposes of this show would you i, I can give a very very brief run no yeah i definitely want to if we have time i'd like to just real quick real see quick. what our new classics are i read march yes mm-hmm. uh the new book from top shelf that will probably make so, its way into classrooms that like should that. yeah yeah it was fantastic yeah mm-hmm. i bet it will it was great yeah I agree. um i read primates by jim ottaviani who writes a ton of um, basically science documentary graphic novels. And this one was about Jane Goodall and uh, other primatologists, female primatologists primarily, who have influenced the science of primatology over the past uh, century. Also fantastic. And that was uh, illustrated by Maris. Um, I can't remember her last name from Batman Black and White. Um, and that was fantastic. I read uh, a matter of life by Jeffrey Brown, which was like his autobiographical oh, yeah. journey away from faith. Uh, amazing. So, so there's still really great stuff out there. It's still actively being produced. It just seems like the conversation well, it hasn't around... been a one that's captured the whole yeah. industry's imagination in a, in a big way. And I don't know. The conversation has died down. And I, I mean, obviously, I, 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 you know, gushed about Genius, the Steven Siegel, Teddy Christensen book yeah. on the site recently, and I just loved that book as well. So there's still intellectual academic stuff coming out. We just we're not doing as good a job of talking. About I think, it. yeah, I think that's the thing of the, the sort of like that community has sort of picked their their things and they've latched onto them. And I think we should start looking for for more things to add to Watchmen and Mouse and stuff like that. And I would say not as recent, but Asterios Polyp. Um, Asterios Polyp. You, you, there are things that that Mazzucchelli does in that book that you can't do in other other media. And um, it's a it's you know it's a masterclass. So I would I would point to that one. All right, let's get out of here. And one last voicemail. It's a it's a very common sentiment this week. Well, hey, gentlemen, this is Jeff in Bellingham, Washington. I just listened to episode 401, and damn, damn if we didn't all maybe feel it was coming, but damn, that's sad, and I just had to say thank you guys so much. As soon as I graduated college last year, I quit my job at Barnes & Noble, where I've been working for two years and hated it, and I got a job at a comic book shop locally here, and it's my life and my love, and I would not have been able to do it without this podcast and you guys. So all four of you guys and all of the writers, I always wanted to call and I never did. And just thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. And yeah, yeah. And just, I'll see you guys on the other side. I know it. Peace. Jeff, is your shop hiring? (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing uh, to do. I'm bored. This was a a crazy week for us. You know, we announced the, uh, the scale back of the website in the last show and, it was a, a a week of a lot of emotion. We had we heard a lot from a lot of people, a lot of feedback, a lot of things on the website. Um, honestly, didn't know what to expect, but it's been it's been entirely positive. Not entirely positive, but mostly positive. A couple of people stuck their head out to take a couple of parting shots. That was that was to be expected. But uh, you know, we wanted just to thank everyone who called in. We had a couple of those voicemails. We just picked Jeff's to sort of encapsulate them all. We had a couple people who wrote in. We had a bunch of people who went to the website and left uh, comments. And uh, we we wanted just to thank every, each and every one of you for doing that. It's uh, it's been a crazy week, uh, and uh, we really appreciate everyone who said, said something nice. Yeah, it's been really overwhelming. Uh, 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 you know, Connor replied to a, a lot of those messages, but there's there's so many of them, and and um, yeah, there it's it's largely been you know very supportive, and and that is um, I mean, I knew I knew you know you guys were out there you know reading the stuff, and uh, that meant a lot to me, and uh, and and kept me typing. Um, but just to, to see everything, you know the outpouring, it's it's been. Uh, been pretty great and uh i want to I, I you know i want to thank uh everybody who you know um when there were you know some negative comments um and some parting shots uh stepped up 
And, uh, you know, I want to thank some, like, like the guys over at 11 O'Clock Comics who've been very supportive. And, of course, Chris and, uh, and Jason have, have written for iFanboy in the past. And uh, they have been, uh, been, been, been great friends and, and great support over, over the years and, and especially this past week. So uh, thank you a lot because that, that, that really means a lot to us. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the show continues on. So you'll just have to transfer all the energy uh, here as we also figure out the new format of the show and the transitions because that was clearly something I didn't even think about. And then we'll have to work on that for next week. It's our project for the week. Uh, why don't you guys tell us about your other shows you do, Ryan? You you have a very popular show. Do I? Uh, I think so. I don't know. Probably better I, numbers I than mine has. It's all right. I'm I'm proud. I'm proud. Well, of it what should. It does. Whatever. Just what's the show about? I do a podcast called Science dot 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 sort of. It's a science podcast uh, uh, in a very casual way where we discuss the uh, week's science news over a beer uh, and and we intersperse it with a movie trailer because we're nerds and we can't resist talking about those kind of things. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the show. I think it's a really good product. And I, I think people, if you're interested in learning about the universe, it's a good place for you to find yourself. Uh, we have a bunch of affiliated shows at this point. So it's, it's I'm, something I'm really proud of. Uh, the most recent episode was all about sharks. Uh, we were basically attacking Discovery Channel Shark Week. It's Jump the Shark Week on Science Sort of. A uh, lot of fun. Sharks Week gets sucked for years. Well, we talk about that, Connor. We really do. We get into the nitty gritty of how how has Shark Week fallen so far, and we have an actual shark scientist uh, named Sora on the show talking about that. So we have uh, good, legitimate information plus a lot of heartfelt opinions about what Shark Week has meant and and how it has faltered uh, in recent years. So a lot of fun, and and just yeah, we try to put out the absolute best. Uh, in terms of fun science content every week, and it's something I'm really proud of. And where can people find that? ScienceSortOf.com, or just search iTunes for Science Sort of. It's it's pretty easy to snag with, with that search. And Paul, you do a show called Breaking Bad, right? <laughs> um, I do a show called Fuzzy Typewriter, which is about story, storytellers, art, and artists. And we usually, you know, we talk about books, we talk about movies, we talk about TV. And lately, we've been talking about all TV all the time. We've been doing Breaking Bad episodes uh, with my uh, my new co-host for for these shows, uh, Rebecca Shinsky from uh, Book Riot and Book Rageous and Food Riot. Um, she's been fantastic, and we've been having so much fun. I'm really proud of these episodes on the last, the, the final eight of Breaking Bad. And there's only four left so a lot of spoilers but um those are fun and if you like luther um bbc america spat all of them out in, in one week and that was uh, bizarre yeah so uh you'll you'll see two episodes in the feed so if you look on itunes for fuzzy typewriter or if you just hit fuzzytypewriter.com it'll redirect to my goofy little wordpress page can i tell you something paul yeah because uh i i did the breaking bad season four show yes you did and I was very proud of that show. I thought it was a very good show. Um, <laughs> I was a little, I was a little disappointed I wasn't plucked for the season five. In the same way, I did the Luther show originally. But Fudge but my Friday. point my point is, I've been immensely enjoying all the season five episodes. Uh, it, it, they're they're podcasts that I cherish till the moment when I finish the episode, and then I immediately start your episode because I just I need more. I'm and gonna have both of is... you guys on the show real soon. I'm sorry. That... <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't no, just, trying to. Just it wasn't. It wasn't meant as a dig. I'm trying to say that like I I am loving the breakdown every week. I don't read any of the recaps. Your show is my go-to analysis for Breaking Bad. Well, it's thank you that very good. much. Well, enough patting ourselves on the back. 
Let's get to the yeah. outro. Head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show. You can find all of our other podcasts. We're going to be rolling out some uh, new ones. We've got, we're in the early planning stages for our interesting books blowed coming out soon. Yes. Uh, so you'll find all that at ifanboy.com. You can follow us at twitter.com slash ifanboy at facebook.com slash ifanboy. But you can also email us because some people are old fashioned like that and they're not all about the social media. And that email address is contact at ifanboy.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail if you're even more old fashioned. If even email is too newfangled for you, pick up your phone. Dial one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven, and you can just pester us with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, or etc. If you're an auto dial machine, you can call us too and leave just for <laughs> no sound at all for thirty seconds, bastard. Twenty nine. If you dig us, write us a review on iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Spread the iFanboy word. We're still out here on the airwaves. We haven't gone anywhere. We a lot of people say we're going to yeah, miss you guys. We haven't gone. We haven't a died or b quit. We are still doing this show. I mean, so. Josh is gone. Josh is gone. Josh we're is just, gone. He's he's done. We're going to see how long you can buy the fact that he's just traveling. Yeah, he's long still live traveling. the reign of Ryan. Oh, it's like when Coach <laughs> died on Cheers, and they say you know he's he's at a family reunion or he's visiting his sister. Yeah, when John Stewart left for the summer, and every episode is he was somewhere else. That's what it's going to be with Josh. That's what it's going to be. All right, so uh, until next week, thank you for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. And I'm Josh. What's it say? What's it says? It says I'm Josh. Listen, you are the new Josh. I made it. I made it. I made it. I made it. I made it.